0: We become a race of peeping
1: Toms. Something happened, something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit, if she wished, mine is with the
0: ancestors. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm so drinking, How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh shit, you guys got coke here. Oh my god, of course.
1: I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all feckin' boring. With your piddlin' grievances over nothing. you're all feckin' boring!
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast. A podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and what an ugly baby.
1: (laughs) I knew it! (laughs) I knew it!
0: And my name is Colin Drucker, and what an ugly baby.
1: I I thought mine was,
0: I thought it was obscure enough. Oh my goodness. Well, this just goes to show that we share a brain, and we're on the right page here. I
1: knew the moment that she said that, I was like, oh, I bet Nick loved that. (laughs) Yep, that was it. I mean, there's not much to pull from because this movie is
0: devastatingly
1: sad. So I was like, this is a funny little line. And I did laugh. Yeah, it was. I felt like it was such a beat that you would laugh at, and I was. Yeah, and I immediately thought of you, and I was like, "Oh God, yeah!" And that's gonna be his line. I can tell. <laughs> yep, <laughs> you guessed it. Oh uh, well, and and <clears throat> that line, of course, gives uh, almost no indication of the movie we're here to talk about. But you probably read the title of the episode. We are here to talk about a handful of BSAs in Sarah Polly's 2006 Canadian weeper Away from Her. I did not know
0: this came out in 2006. I In, in my mind, this was like a 1996
1: movie. So I would, it really kind of threw me for a loop. But here we are. Yeah, it, it does have a 1996 feeling. I feel like Olympia Dukakis's house has a 1996 feeling. Yes, I would agree. <laughs> that house. I have so many feelings
0: about that house. <laughs> I know. It just made me sad in a way. But I did like The Coffee
1: Machine. It's fancy. Oh, <clears throat> that nifty coffee machine from her son. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. So we are because, of course, we did "Women Talking" by Sarah Polly, directed and written by Sarah Polly as well. And so it was like, well, you know, while we're you know, uh, in Polly- Pollywood, so Pollywood. to speak, Pollywood. Uh, why don't we go back to? Uh, I guess this is really her feature film directorial and and writing debut. Uh, and before this, she she was an actress and she'd done some short films. And so this was really um, a pretty, I would say, a pretty accomplished debut.
0: I should say so. I mean, another great, another beautiful movie with beautiful writing, beautiful performances. Now, I have to ask, too. So wait, I, I know the answer to this question, too. But set us up here. You've, you've seen the movie before. How many times had you seen it? When did it first come across
1: your path? You know, I... I feel like I saw it maybe even in like senior year of college because I graduated in 2007 and I have the memory of watching it in my senior year apartment. So mm-hmm. this came into my life a long time ago and I've seen it a handful of times since. It's certainly not, you know, a fun movie to cozy up with, you know, uh, yeah. you know, every, every couple of weeks. It's not like a sleepy time movie. But yeah, I, I've kind of had it in my my catalog for a while i was going to do there's kind of a lost in the details episode that just never came together that was going to be based on a scene in this movie that we'll certainly talk about yeah so this is um you know especially after last week's little peek back in the details this is filling in a a gap in in the details catalog that i finally get to talk about away from her yeah, a little
0: redemption episode, if you
1: will. Yeah, yeah. And and this of course was uh this was a, a new view for you.
0: It was. I I didn't even watch the trailer. I have had seen the poster a couple times. I remember watching because I feel like I love I love an award show speech, and I've, I've watched Marion Cotillard's uh, acceptance speech a, a lot. Um, and she was in the category that year, Miss Julie Christie. So mm-hmm. I I knew her from that as well too. But this movie destroyed me in so many delicious ways. It was just like it really made me think about like aging specifically and how. Because, oh, gosh, it's like I'm opening up the can of worms here, too. But, like, just, just how to navigate such a devastating disease. Like, like. Um, oh, it's funny that I can't remember the name. <laughs> I wish I would have planned that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Alzheimer's, excuse me. Um, and, and how, because I just feel like it's, it's, I, my grandmother, like, had, you know, because a lot of times people just call it, um, Oh, what is it called? Dementia or something yeah, like that. And I feel yeah. like that's like a, a distant cousin or something. And maybe it's all intertwined. I don't really know the mechanics of it. But it is really awful to to go through that as like a caretaker, you know, a son, a daughter, uh, but especially a spouse too. And a movie where I can assume that this couple doesn't have any kids either too. Like they're just not mentioned or else I would imagine they would have, you know, shown up at some point. But I do like that they they didn't have kids because it adds to that loneliness that he feels um but overall I just I I, oh gosh some of these scenes just like destroyed me in the most beautiful way too because it's so subtle I feel like one of the like the strongest parts of this script and its direction too is like that it doesn't beat you over the head with how sad it is but it still shows like like shades of it I guess because if we were just immersed in that you know it's almost like a movie about like I know I've never seen stepmom. I know come at me, but I I just feel like that movie specifically or even Still Alice, I feel like mm. really kind of digs into like the stuff that you don't want to see because it's just too hard to watch if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and I think that is, you know, it's kind of I think and Still Alice is actually an interesting like double feature with Away from Her because it really yeah. is kinda, you know, charting these like painful beats of like the, the fact that this is a a degenerative disease it's you know it it's like you you progress and you don't even progress linearly you know and so like there's those moments of hope where like maybe they maybe they will come back or maybe you know today they know who i am and yep. now she knows where to put the pan but tomorrow she doesn't even know what a pan is you know and i feel like uh it it it's very easy for that to just be almost too much and i i think yeah, away from her really kind of balances, showing you just enough of the details. And and what I thought was really interesting and similar to women talking was also finding these small beats, these humorous beats throughout. And less than that there were in women talking, but I felt like every once in a while we would get a joke or a lighter moment and it was like... Oh, thank God. Oh, like what an ugly baby. Like it, it comes after, you know, her evaluation with the doctor to determine that she indeed has progressed to the point where she would need to go to Meadowlark. And then as they're leaving the office after this awful realization that that's it, this is happening. And you know, it, it's like, it's a bittersweet moment because I feel like it also is cluing into the fact that some of her like social cues are sure. going and she's kind of having the Sophia Petrillo moment but it's also really funny just to like what an ugly baby
0: (laughs) (laughs) or how life just kind of goes on even after the worst news it's like it could have been something that you know fiona might have just said offhand anyway Mm -hmm. but you're right i do think that it it kind of taps into the social cues and the filter is kind of already being stripped away little by little
1: Oh, yeah, this movie, I mean, what I do, I distinctly remember, like, the first time I saw it, and I think even the second time, I think I told you, like, I had to leave the room because I had cried too much in one room and needed to go into <laughs> another room because I just, the energy needed to be dissipated, and uh, this time around, I I guess because I'd seen it enough times that, like, it was, the parts that choked me up the most were kind of arriving at the decision for her to go to Meadowlark, and in the yep. past it was like that ending would just ruin me and this time it was interesting i i was th- there were so many layers i was seeing to the ending this time and so it was a different experience but yeah it is uh sufficiently devastating at points
0: <laughs> yeah i i feel maybe you know for the folks at home Maybe it's uh, it's time for you know what what's this movie about? We've, we're already kind of digging into it a little bit, but it's a simple yeah. movie in a way, but go- why don't you tell us about it, Colin?
1: And like just like, and I kind of forgotten this, but like the the layers of, of sort of sadness, like it's one thing to see the story of Fiona and Grant, this couple that had been together for years and you know were in very in many ways still had you know very vibrant youthful lives they went you know cross-country skiing together had kind of a nice banter with each other they had dinner parties you know there was a this seemed like an older couple that was you know they'd be the type to still be doing a lot of traveling and things like that and uh fiona starts to show signs of alzheimer's for example they're doing the dishes and she he hands her the the clean pan and she puts it in the freezer you know and and that comes like very early into the movie and it's such a like chilling moment no pun intended with the freezer but it's such a chilling little moment because like she puts the pan in the freezer and then like walks into the room and the camera just stays on grant and that realization of like oh this isn't good you know but like like anything you know we don't want to see it, and you can kind of feel that where it's like, oh, maybe, maybe this is just a one-off thing. Maybe she's just forgetful, you know. Like it, it. it there's a, there's kind of a progression for both of them to realize that she needs to go to an assisted care facility, Meadowlark, and so, uh, one of the stipulations of that is that she can't have any visitors for the first thirty days, and, and I just have to say that moment where, you know he brings home the paperwork. He says, you know, these are for you to sign. And she's like, oh, well, the decision is made. These are, I need you to sign these. Like, this is what I asked you to do. And he says, I can't visit you for 30 days. And there's just this long shot of her, like, taking that in and, like, seeing how upset that's making him. And Grant is a very, like, we never see him cry. we we, He never raises his voice. He's a very stoic type. But, like, she can read the devastation in there. And she just, like, gets up comes around and puts her arms around him and it's like it's such a beautiful moment even though she's kind of the one in the in the difficult situation that she needs to help comfort him and guide him into this even more than he needs to guide her into this yeah i think it's just it's i think grant is so interesting
0: in this movie because you're right it's like i was waiting for some sort of like meltdown scene of him in a car and uh, which we never got to and I guess it's mm-hmm. it's it's meant to be that way but yeah it's like oftentimes too if there is someone who gets some sort of diagnosis like this you know be it like cancer or even um Alzheimer's where like you you know you might have some time is like you often end up comforting the people around you more than you know the person comfort I mean it's like no one it's such an odd place to be like, you know, if someone has like a diagnosis where you have like five or 10 years left, whatever it might be to, what do you say? What could you possibly say to them to help them, especially when it's your, your husband too. And he might not want to admit it, or or you still kind of have some time left and good time left, not just like to leave her. I think that's like such a key sort of plot point in the writing. And I don't know if that's how it is with every Alzheimer's facility, Um, But I do love it because it it really kind of adds to the devastating the devastation of like leaving her and and in this case, too, it really
1: backfires in like the worst way possible. Right. And then that's the added layer of like, oh, is a he has to go through this experience of, you know, not being with her for 30 days. And of course, I just thought, oh, my God what if Fiona was Marco? And then I just, like, started crying, you know? It was like, I could never. Yeah, um, no. You know? And and so, you know, indeed, they go through with it, and, you know, it's it's a sort of devastating goodbye where, you know, she's they they make love one more time, and then, uh, oh, this is the part of the movie that just gets me when she was yeah. like and she says to him like and i need you to just go and i can't you can't make this hard for me because if you do i'll start crying and i don't think i'll ever stop yeah oh and and then you know they're in bed together and she's like go just go and like i just it's so like i she's like i need you to rip this band-aid off because it's gonna hurt me more the more you stay here yeah and
0: one of like the the beauty of this too is like you don't really know when she's. I guess like lucid might be the best word to describe it. Like, but she still kind of is at that point too. But she's not really breaking down in any. But but she tells him that she will if you don't mm-hmm. leave soon too. I'm just kind of repeating what you said. But I I also love the added layer of the conversation that they had on the way to Meadowlark about how she can you know oftentimes too your short term memory is the first that goes, um, but you can remember things further in the past, too. And she sort of, you know, basically Grant had had cheated on her with at least one student at Mm -hmm. the university, if not more than that. Um, And what a weird sort of way to leave that. Um, you know, I granted, they didn't make love for the last time, which is also devastating right. to think about. Um, but to have that sort of it wasn't a fight, but it also was like a reminder of how how he kind of fucked
1: up a little bit. You're right. Right. And that's like an important kind of like act one gun, because, you know, she says, like, you could have just left me. You could have just driven away. And, you know, and, and she, yeah, she talks about like you know almost just like forgiving that like well you were a professor and you had all these young co-eds who you know with with their toes out all those female toes how could you resist <laughs> yes. yeah um, and and she's just has made peace with that but um you know and so and yeah it's an interesting thing to bring up in that car ride because it's like you almost think oh my god of all the things you should be talking about in this car ride right now uh and, and especially knowing, like, oh, my God, this might be the last lucid conversation you have together. yes. And so, you know, he uh, leaves her. And, you know, most importantly, he meets Nurse Christy, played by Kristen Thompson, mm-hmm. uh, who is a very important character in this movie. And she, you know, she, she gives him her page or number. She's like, you can call me every day. I'll, g- I'll keep you posted. So he goes through with the 30-day period. And then when he comes to see her again at Meadowlark, not only does she not remember him, but she's developed an attachment to another patient there named Aubrey. And it looks like uh, a bit more than what Christie says of kind of a buddy situation. It appears to be that she has fallen in love with Aubrey and forgotten about Grant.
0: Yeah, I think it's also important to point out that Aubrey is a male uh, and cause you said patient named Aubrey, it could have oh, been a yes. woman. That yeah, been, sure. You, know, you yeah. all wanted a twist, but, uh, um, right, right. But yeah. And I think, you know, which, uh, I don't know if it's Christy who says this or maybe it's Madeline, um, but that it happens, that does happen, uh, in these sort of situations too, in a way that, um, I can't really be explained, but it's just, it's just something that, unfortunately like I think that's part one of the most devastating parts of the movie is him sitting on the couch and just watching and not really being able to I mean he's able to approach her um, but it's like because the whole time you're just like oh you're rooting for her to remember him the whole time and it yeah. just never happens and even I mean really getting into this and this is kind of like maybe two thirds of the way through the movie I don't know but when you know, he finally has enough and he's like, I'm your husband and or maybe that's I'm my wires are crossed and there's these are two separate scenes. But he takes her out in the hallway and he's like and she says, like, don't don't do this. Like mm-hmm. and what I'm trying to get at too is like i think he's talking to someone else like what if she's punishing me for like remembering that like i cheated on her like we'll never know that and i love that it's like such a clever plot device of like she's never like the only person that knows that is fiona if she was ever fucking with him i don't i i want to think that she never would because that is that's pretty cruel but so is cheating on your wife so it's it's so genius
1: yeah, he tells Christie that because it comes up later in a in my favorite scene in the movie, uh, where he you know he wonders if this might be her punishing him for something, and uh, and that that's what all of this is. And and yeah, there's that scene where he finally has enough and it was like, you know, I'm your husband, and we've been together for you know forty something years, and we live in that house, and blah blah blah, and. It's so interesting because that scene, yeah, where he takes her out in the hallway, she's so conflicted, and and you can tell that she wants to remember, and that there is a gap where this story would make sense, but it's so much for her to process. Like, it, And so, yeah, she says, just please don't. But then she kind of like gathers herself and she's like, but I'll see you tomorrow then, as if she's kind of like subtly saying, keep trying, keep trying, keep coming back though, you know? Um, But that single tear. Oh, and that single tear. I mean, those little moments are just, oh, just heartbreaking. And meanwhile, I have to say, Aubrey is one of my least favorite movie characters in the history of movie characters. Oh, my God. Yes. Go on. I hate Aubrey. I have always hated Aubrey. It has made. I don't know if I've seen the actor Michael Murphy and other things. I, I recognize his name, but I don't ever want to see him in anything again because I hate <laughs> Aubrey so much. He's, you know, that he's manipulative. He's manipulative. He dropping he, those cards. Dropping the cards when when she goes to talk to Grant. When uh, you know, at one point I think it's that scene when he goes up to her and is like, "I'm your husband," and Aubrey's like, eh, eh, "You know, like <gasps> whimpering in the chair." And I'm Yep. Like, Shh. Shut up, Aubrey. Or even oh. when she—they're both in her
0: bedroom, and he opens the door, and mm-hmm. he's like, they're kind of like quietly weeping. Well, he is—it's because he has to leave too. So I kind of get it, Aubrey. But also, no, you ruined this. Yeah, you this have is... a wife. Her name's Your name is Olympia Dukakis. Her name
1: is Olympia
0: Dukakis, and she yes. might be a chain smoker, but we love her. We okay. love her.
1: Yeah, she I- makes makes great coffee. Okay, uh, <laughs> and those those cookies she made were not homemade. And we I know, and I love it. it. I, yeah, I mean, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and that's the other detail here is is uh, this movie is told not linearly, which I think is interesting um, compared to you know the uh, just the the progression of Alzheimer's and how that isn't linear. And talk about another double feature: the father also not linear also makes you feel like you have dementia watching it. Um, this is a little bit less jarring, but the movie kind of jump, you know, kind of almost starts with Grant going to see Marion, Aubrey's wife, uh, to, to ask if she would be open to having Aubrey come back to Meadowlark, even as a visit, um, to see Fiona again. And so like there, then there's that layer of, um, and it feels like a, like an extended, like one act play of, of Grant and Marion and her, like very New Jersey 1980s kitchen. Yes. I mean, should should we get
0: into her? Are you ready to talk about Marion? Or do you want to... We could back? always
1: talk about Marion. I mean, I think... So, yeah, because the movie bounces in between this narrative of Grant. Because essentially what happens is that Grant is... He kind of has to reintroduce himself to Fiona. And I think the mo- a simpler story, and I feel like it's been done before with, like you know somebody who has i don't know uh no what what's that thing where you forget everything not deja vu um, dementia no, oh, amnesia, no. Amnesia, <laughs> amnesia 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 <laughs> amnesia and it's like and now uh you know he has to woo her and make her fall in love with him all over again like that would be a beautiful story but that isn't what this is it's not grant getting fiona to fall back in love with him it it's kind of the process of Grant accepting that Aubrey and Fiona want to be together, and throughout that, he ends up bonding with Marion, I think because the two of them know the pain that they're experiencing and the challenges they're experiencing so intimately that they kind of trauma bond in dealing with their, their you know, ill spouses. Yeah, and I feel like Marion is, it, she's a bit
0: of a tough cookie at first because she doesn't really... You know, she doesn't really warm up to Grant being, you know, just showing up on her doorstep, too, because, you know, there's a little bit of alluding to the fact that she knows. I mean, she knows that um, Fiona and Aubrey are sort of an item, too, but, you know, more so Fiona sort of taking advantage of Aubrey, too, because he is is he like deaf and mute or something? I, I don't know the affliction there besides having Alzheimer's on top of that, I'm imagining.
1: I see and this is a detail I only picked up this time. I don't think Aubrey has Alzheimer's. I think that he it sounds like he had gotten pneumonia and then fell into a coma. And so I think it maybe in in terms of like how much he recovered he he's lost like his ability to walk and communicate. but I think he may still be like I, I don't think he has the same kind of like uh degenerative, uh, mental Got issue it. or state whatever the, the word is I'm not getting to that Fiona does which is an interesting detail that like Aubrey is not Aubrey in many ways is is no different than Grant and that he's fully conscious of the world that he's in and the relationship he's in with Fiona like Fiona is the only one who's kind of living her in her own reality you know Yeah, I guess that's true, Um, which makes it even more infuriating that he
0: makes the choice. Aubrey makes the choices that he's making, too, because it would have been easier to digest if he wasn't coherent, if he was Mm -hmm. just kind of like a a guy in a wheelchair that just stared off into the distance. And I have to say this, too, because I think it's so important that they show this, like, natural progression when I think Grant is taking the tour. Like, the first thing of Metal Lark that they show, like, an old woman who just kind of can't remember like, which walker is hers. Mm. And then they run into Flo. um, Just taking my tea for a walk on her walker, (laughs) which is just, like, I feel like it's something my grandmother would do. Um, And, like, saying the word clusterfuck because that's what the kids say nowadays, too. So she was great. But then I think the first time I did, like, actually cry is when they were uh, panning through the dining room at Christmas and that sort of progression of people leaving and the, Mm -hmm. the mother and the daughter who was, like they're signing to each other and then she leaves and then she just kind of sits at the table by herself. It is so getting old sucks, man. I I... know. Yeah. It's so hard to watch. And we're like, we're not old at all, you know, but like to think about that and like to not have any, I mean, I'm not going to have any kids, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like the plight of the gay man, like who's going to take care of me. You know, we take care of each other, but also, um, Oh God, I don't know.
1: I mean, as a wise woman once said, you're not young, you know? <laughs> I say this to help I, you. <laughs> um, but Someone no, I'm not.
0: <laughs> I, I know.
1: Someone has died. <laughs> Grabs uh, coats. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, it's... Yeah, and, and now it's like, now I'm thinking of Barbara Covet and I'm thinking of Fiona. I'm just thinking of, like, I don't know, it's just these fascinating examples of getting older and like how it can just leave you so lonely. And certainly as a gay man who does not plan to have kids and, you know, someday my prince might come. I don't know, but for now it's me and this cat. And so like, we really got to like, you know, We got to shore up our shores, you know, because there might not be any ships coming in. I don't know even what I'm saying anymore. But I so, yeah, like all of this, of course, I thought of my grandparents. I in some ways think about my parents a little bit. But like, it's crazy how much I also thought, well, this comes to us all, you know, age is inevitable. And there is no reason any one of us wouldn't be Flo sitting there alone at the table long after christmas dinner has ended and all the families have gone home and like you kind of just eventually get your your walker and shuffle off back to your room you know and i think the ultimate sort of like
0: the worst of it is the second floor when they take him to the second floor and they just show that one woman sitting in a chair and just oh, staring yeah. like not even straight out, like out the not even out the window just like at the floor and you know that woman just sits there for like 8 hours and then they Put her back into bed, and that's when I would expect Grant to like
1: have a meltdown because I would. I was having a meltdown. <laughs> like, yeah, right. That. Yeah, he's just like, nope. She won't need this. She won't be going in the second floor. I don't even need to see yep. the second floor. We're done. You know, Mrs. Montpellier, Wendy cluson <laughs> oh uh, yes, Madeline. Madeline, are you I- festive? That was almost. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was my second li- uh, line that I almost
0: started with. I should have chosen.
1: And she's, she's an interesting character. And Wendy Kruse and I mostly know as the mom from The Good Son. Have you ever seen The Good Son? Oh, my gosh. Um No. Oh, that is, I think, I think a pet may die in that. So I don't know how much I want to watch The Good Son again, but it's Macaulay Culkin and uh, Elijah Wood. And like Macaulay Culkin's like, you know, this evil kid who like comes to stay with his cousin, Elijah Wood. And, you know, uh, and then his aunt uncle, and then it turns out he's, you know, or no, maybe it's Elijah Wood goes to stay with them. and, And Macaulay Culkin is like the evil son. And then it turns out he's like, you know, He's evil, but anyway, the end of that movie. Because uh, I, you know, spoilers for the Good Son from 1990, whatever. But the the end of the movie is iconic, and that word gets thrown around a lot. But let me tell you, at the end of that movie. So they Elijah Wood and and uh, Macaulay Culkin are like fighting, and they're rolling around, and they're like on the edge of a cliff, and and because the house they they're where they are, it's all you know, some cliffside nonsense. But anyway, they. They roll and, like, almost fall off the cliff, but, like, Wendy Cruson is, like, you know, running to stop them. And she gets there just in time to catch each one of them in each hand hanging off of the cliff, and she has to decide which one to drop to save the other one. It's wild. It's, it is just such a great Whoa. scene. Oh, my God. 1993 is The Good Son. Oh, you could probably just find that ending on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, I was just going to say – It's just like such a cool moment. And um and of course, you know, she makes the right decision. But of course. uh, Yeah. So uh that is what I mean, she's been in a ton of things, but that is what I know her the most from. But was she in Jag? Who knows? uh, well, you know, I was just she has very Jag energy. So let's She does. Yes. She she has she reminds me of like seven different actresses. Yes. Who may have been in Jag. Yeah. Well I'm looking uh Oh, apparently she was in the movie "What Lies Beneath," but I do not <gasps> remember her in that movie. I've seen that movie a couple times, which is
0: not like me because but no. my friends made me watch it in high school, and it was terrifying. I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Um, and but I do I do like it, Shelley.
1: Yeah, Shelly and
0: Harris uh, Harrison, and Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of bathtub scenes that were scary. Oh yeah,
1: one. yeah. Yeah, I don't even remember her being in that movie. I feel like maybe she was in a cut scene. Um, But I don't see her in Jag at all. So that's, uh, that's a loss. But anyway... In this movie, she plays Madeleine Montpellier, which is like a Montreal drag queen's name. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but I, I feel like oh, she was in Air Force One, of course. Yes, she also played with Harrison the wife. Ford. Yeah, yeah, Isn't exactly. The
0: wife, the wife, no, the wife doesn't die. One of his like staff falls off the plane or something. I remember that she
1: gets shot. Yeah, I remember that. I always hated that oh, scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah Where the, the like really nice staff. Um, yep. Maybe it was the press secretary or whatever. Yeah, and and you know who else was in Air Force One? Just to bring it full circle, uh, Liesl Matthews, who was in A Little Princess. Oh my God!
0: Yeah, we love that I movie. Love I feel like we're cre- we are just like whether we're trying to or not, we're creating this like web of you know actresses that mm-hmm. we have covered. That just, I think the best example of this is just Sheila McCarthy and women talking. I feel I like to think we manifested that yes, <laughs> some way. Absolutely, and yeah. We know who she is too because. I was, we had some friends over last night for dinner. We were talking about women talking and, um, and, uh, you know, my friend Luke was like Judith Ivy. I mean, come on. I was like, yes, but also Sheila McCarthy. And he gave like a nod, but I don't think, I don't think people know her. She's not on a first name basis with our,
1: you know, with a lot of people, which I understand I
0: would not have been, but I would have remembered her.
1: Yeah. I mean, certainly after, you know, even if I hadn't seen her in stepping out or house arrest, women talking. I mean, come on. I want to tell a story about my, my horses, Ruth and Cheryl. Come on. My life is before and after Ruth and Cheryl. It's going <laughs> to
0: be a, a heated discussion for, you know, BSA of the year at the this, or What is a woman of
1: the year or whatever yeah, it is. I BSA know of the year, kind of yeah. peeled in, but who knows? Who knows? There's also the award for excellence and nuance. Like you never know. That's true. Uh, That's true. But I, I think we, we, we may need to recognize Sheila. Yeah. <sighs>
0: Um, I I will say about Wendy Crewson, though, I do think that she towed the line of being what I don't know what her role is, like a coordinator, a manager of some sort of director, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Director makes sense of, of Metal Lark, too, that she really I feel like she's seen a lot of shit and she's been she's dealt with a lot of shit, too. So, like, I can tell she has that under her belt. But I do feel that she has that warmth, even if she you know, she's talking I just thought that's like the, the old women in this, in this movie too. Like this isn't flow. This is like another group of women, but like she, you know, Madeline walks by and she's like, I, I don't know what she said. She's like, I have a, a new pin. That's not what it was mm-hmm. at all though. And then she's like, well, aren't you festive? And, but it just, even me saying that line doesn't feel genuine enough, but like she really did. She kind of says it to her. She means
1: it. And then she moves on. You know what I mean? absolutely like it, it almost feels like i remember that scene it's as she's giving grant the tour and she's like and she's like oh hi madeline i i got this new pin or whatever and and it feels like a second grader saying hello to the principal at school yes you oh know? Colin, yes that was yeah. beautiful <laughs> yes. thank you thank you yeah. uh and and i i think that you know there's the way in which madeline is shown to be a little a, a bit business about all of this and being like you know like for example when it was when uh, Aubrey is in the room with Fiona and, you know, he's bemoaning about having to leave. And then, you know, Madeline sees Grant outside the room and she's like, I just wish they would come and get him out of here and just, you know, rip off the bandaid. And there'd be a way to look at this and think, oh, geez, Madeline have a heart. But like, I think characters like Madeline or Christie, like this is their job. This is what they do every day. This is, they have to maintain some level of a a clinical reaction to this because a otherwise they would just be devastated all the time and b they've been desensitized to it you know like they they certainly i I think we see a lot of compassion from both of them but they are not experiencing what grant is experiencing they are they've witnessed that a hundred times over and i I don't know. I That was one of my big takeaways was it'd be very easy to make Madeline just kind of like the shrew, you know, heartless director who's just like in it for the money and make room in the beds and she needs to go upstairs. She's been bedridden. She needs to go upstairs. Like, but I, I she, she has to be in order to like maintain, you know, the, the, the level of care that everyone needs to maintain a sense of order um, and, and to keep going every day. And I really, um, I I thought that that was really smart writing and smart directing and obviously smart acting to make Madeline. Yes. She has those moments where, you know, like when Grant shows up, she's like, well, gosh, aren't you just like, you know, you're just here every day. And like, you know, and, and to him, it's like, I am trying to get my wife to remember me, but to her, it's like, Oh, there's that familiar face. So hello, Mr. Anderson. And, and I think, we're so with Grant, and we're so in, like in, like involved in the Anderson story that it'd be easy to see Madeline as being like clueless. But I don't see how else she's supposed to be, you know? Yeah,
0: we really don't see, you know, we don't go home after work with Madeline and see if she has a cat or something. But it does remind me of like sort of like White Lotus managers, you know. I think in White yep. Lotus we see a little bit more of uh, beneath the surface too. But I-, I like that we really only see her. In that environment at work too, because I just think it's the perfect balance of everything that we're talking about. That she has to she has to do her job. I feel that she does it well, and she lets
1: herself be vulnerable every once in a while, um, but she keeps it moving. Yeah, yeah. Because like Fiona is not their only patient, and yeah, you know, and and she's right. I mean, about Aubrey, for example, not just because I hate Aubrey, but like she's right. This whole extended thing of him weeping and crying at Fiona's bed, this is not helping anybody. And she, you know, Madeline's right. It's like they have short memories, and sometimes that's a blessing, you know. And yeah, and Fiona, Aubrey, yeah, yeah, get out! Like in that, there's something about Aubrey's wheelchair. The like the back cushion just drives me nuts. I hate that thick back (laughs) cushion on his wheelchair. I just, I know, I just want to hit him. I just want to hit him (laughs) hard. need to hit something <laughs> and here's olympia dukakis here hit aubrey yeah, yes. <laughs> yes
0: oh that was perfect volley back yes 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 Let's take a whack at aubrey <laughs> yeah. gladly just take a chair and just w- hit him would
1: have a middle like would give to take a whack at aubrey
0: <laughs> uh yeah he just grinds my gears man i was just yeah. I know we're kind of skirting around Julie Christie, too, but Julie Christie reminds me of a combination of Jane Fonda and Jessica Lange. Oh, yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I,
0: I would have loved a better wig for her. And sometimes it really works well, but sometimes you can tell she's wearing a wig.
1: You know, it never occurred to me. You are a wig spotter. I I
0: am, yeah.
1: Yeah. I but I love the even whether or not how, you know, depending regardless of how well it worked, the idea of Fiona having, as Grant says, the shock of hair. Like it yes. just like where it really stood out to me, I mean, there's obviously like uh, and it's like in all the promo pictures, but that shot of her like look at their house looking out the window in her pajamas with a coffee cup and her hair yep. is just so perfectly placed on her head. But I love when after the 30 days and Grant goes to see her again and the the, the whole scene is so brilliantly done because – you think for the first like 45 seconds that she knows who he is because he shows up and they're in the middle of a bridge game and she's very familiar with Grant she's like, oh, you know, very important game of bridge going on and like she's just very cool and casual with him and so we don't we aren't like clued in right away that she doesn't know who he is and she's wearing like a pair of like, really well-fitted, like, dark gray jeans and this very kind of hippie sweater with, like, frayed edges. And she's got, like, the, you know, the shock of hair. And she seems so youthful and just so lively. And I think that that sort of... Having her appear almost dressed younger and acting younger, and yet she has, you know, degenerated in other ways. Like, I thought it was so smart to not have her always appear feeble or always appear kind of, like the the physical matching the mental and i think that was part of that trick of like realizing like oh wait she doesn't know who the hell grant is she thinks he's just some new patient and she's just being the welcoming committee
0: yeah i i think that would be really fun for a costume designer to play with because then there's that scene later too where grant actually gets a little upset like he doesn't have control over anything really but like he he kind of i don't know if he tells madeline or christy like she need, she shouldn't be wearing that sweater. that's not hers, you know, mm-hmm. it, she would never wear something like that, but it's not it's not her anymore right it's, and and like, and maybe she's reverting back to some sort of style that she remembers when she was in her thirties or twenties.
1: yeah, and and I feel like she's also i probably among all of these people, she is relatively more youthful for lack of a better word. Like she's, she's up and about on her own. She's physically capable. She's got, you know, got a nice personality. And so I feel like, you know, among these other people, she's also kind of like the, she gets to be the young sprightly one. And so like, it's just, it's, it's just not what you expect, you know, from this character who doesn't remember her husband anymore. And it, it's just, oh, but that hair, I just, she has great hair. Yeah. I just love that hair. Um, well, and her performance, I mean, is is beautiful. Like, I think that she is... I think she's A, she's just fucking stunning. Like, it's yeah, just she's insane. She's yeah. so beautiful. And there, it's so much about... Because she doesn't really have any, like, huge emotional scenes. It's all about the face journeys. It's all about the, like... When she goes out cross-country skiing that last time, and she's, like... And she just starts to look around, and there's that, you know, that kind of the, the narration of, like, you just you you're trying to remember something but you can't even remember what it is you're trying to remember like all those synapses are gone but something just feels missing and she just and that the shots of her just kind of staring out into like the the vast snowy tundra and it's like this is what life feels like you have no idea where you're going you have no idea like and just kind of seeing that on her face and seeing that that processing of like i I just don't know where I am, but I feel like I should know where I am. And I'm trying to remember, but the idea of where I am doesn't exist anymore. Like it's, oh my God, I know. Ugh, it's just, it's devastating to watch her go through this. And and the only real like crying scene she has other than that single tear in the hallway scene is when she's in bed with Grant and she starts crying into her hands. And mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh God, like you almost don't want her to break you know in the way that she told him like if i start crying i'll never stop it's like i don't want fiona to feel the full weight of this you know yeah i think it goes with what we were saying before of like it would as a
0: viewer too it's like we're already there we already know that this is sad and mm-hmm. it's it's like we don't we don't need to be pushed over that edge too but going back to even I, my favorite face journey was the wine face journey when she just couldn't remember the word for wine. And she stands up and they have, it's just like Grant and Fiona have like a, you know, a couple over for dinner and she stands up and she's like, anyone ha- want more? And you could see her like, I think the, the, the most fascinating part of this is like she's trying to sound it out. It's not like mm-hmm. even she's trying to remember the, she can't, it's not just the word, it's how to pronounce the word too, which I was, I thought was, I I wouldn't even think of that as something that would be hard for not even remembering the word, but how to pronounce it. Because she kind of says Wayne as opposed to Mm -hmm. wine and even the word
1: mailbox, I think, later on. um, Yeah, it's. And I, I always like in movies, whenever like a scene cuts to like the main characters having a dinner party with friends, I get so excited. I yeah, love those scenes. I get so... Yes. when it, and, and it and it cuts to them already in the middle of small talk about some, like, macrame lamp, you know, decoration or something. Like, they're just having this, like, funny little normal conversation. And I was like, oh, I love scenes like this. You know, like, Woody That's Allen great. movies have scenes like this. You yes, know? and, like,
0: panning around, like, a circular table. You know, I mm-hmm. think of, like, Hannah and her sisters at that restaurant. They're all, like, smoking. And it's just so natural, and it feels like you're eavesdropping in a way too. And I will say this, like um Fiona and Grant's house. I want that house. I want to live in that house. That is mm. that is exactly what I want. I know people hate snow. I do love snow. I don't want to shovel it, but I do want to be like stuck in it
1: forever. <laughs> yeah. I mean this I just want to be snowed in. It this is a snowed in kind of house. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. And it just seems like yeah, I feel like they can get that house really warm. I don't know. It looks like it doesn't get too chilly in there. Yeah. Know? It's just cozy enough. Um, mm-hmm. Oh God, I loved it. I
0: That's like an episode too. It's like favorite houses. You know what I mean? Maybe not uh, for us, but like another movie podcast. I think that's just such a cool thing to think about. Like the Parasite House or mm-hmm. um, any 90s movie house, you know? I, yeah. I just feel like... The
1: Home Alone House, you know? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. I... I love that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a great house. Yeah, it's a great house. It has a, like a, you know, and I love when later when Grant, you know, takes her for a little field trip and takes her to the house. And and it's so like it, it meant so much that she, cause this was the house I think that her, she, her grandparents owned this house. And so she yeah. remembered it from an earlier point in her life. And I love that she remembered it. And she was like, gosh, they've, they've kept it just the way that it always was, you know, and, um, and we don't really know how far back she's remembering it, but we know that, like, th- this is a house that has lived in her memory for a while. And so it makes sense that she's remembering it. We just don't know at what stage she's remembering it. Yeah. It's, I
0: mean, I just, I keep saying it, but this movie has so many different layers of devastation in a way and things you would never think about when someone is going through this. And again, I, I, part part of me was like why didn't anyone go with Grant like when they first Mm. like why even if they don't have kids but I do think it's it's it adds to it and and I think when you know whenever he goes back to visit or you know because we're flashing back and forth between him and Marion too and um I mean oh my gosh her voice Marion's voicemails that was like I was like there's Olympia there's the Olympia we
1: love you know not that her performance wasn't great up until that point you know I'm glad you brought this up because it's definitely a thing I've had about this movie is that I don't really love Olympia Dukakis's performance until the voicemails. And then I love her Same. for the rest of the Same. movie.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, we talked about it in our, our re-release of the, um, uh, the notes on a scandal. We talked very briefly about Moonstruck too. And, I mean, I love Olympia Caucus and Steel Magnolias, and uh, I can't think of any other movie like beyond. Maybe I love her and Look Who's Talking. To be honest, she plays mm-hmm. uh, Christy Alley's mom, and I think she's so charming and funny. But this, I was like, what? What note are we playing here? Like, what are we trying to find? And, and maybe it was a script thing. I don't know. But until that started, I was. That's when I sort of fell in love with her again yeah
1: that's been always a thing i felt that those early you know scenes of them talking together she seems so just like not settled into the character and like the line readings don't all work really well yes yes and it always was kind of off-putting but then i think it's like you know when grant leaves the house and she closes the door and she goes what a jerk and i was like that's oh, there it you are that's, yeah there it yeah. is yeah. And then, you know, then she kind of has like a huh moment and then send, leaves the voicemails. The voicemails are just so funny. It's just it's it's just like, oh, I love Marion. And then I love how it then cuts to her in her kitchen drinking a little glass of scotch. She spills a little of it on her shirt and like the way she wipes it off her shirt and then just kind of slides down into that old chair that she's had since the 70s. I mean, that's what that shot. yeah. Back. I want to I want to frame that yes yeah the pull back like it was kind of like a pulling up into like the corner of the ceiling of her like just sliding into that chair and you know that Aubrey's like just you know in the living room watching the sports channel and she's just having her nightly scotch
0: yeah she's just as lonely but like it's it and it's also like I want to just confirm that I'm I'm understanding too like with her and you know her and Grant definitely had a fling. Obviously they slept together too, but even in that drive beforehand too, and it's just the evolution of Marion, like putting like suddenly she's wearing lipstick and suddenly they're going Mm -hmm. out dancing. And they pull over on the side of the road. She's like, I know what you're doing here. So but I can you please just like what is she asking to say? Like just pretend a little. Can you just try to pretend a little? little? Yeah. Yeah. it's like And I'm assuming she's like, I know you're just kind of doing this out of our, like, trauma bonding and also, like, you're looking out for your wife because you want her to be happy, and part of that deal is, like, you're you're hanging out with me so I can get Aubrey back at the place.
1: Is that, am I understanding that? I think you're right, because it, right before that moment, he does say something about, like, oh, because they, yeah, she invites him to go out for, you know, dancing and, you know, dinner and whatnot, and then we see them, you know, in the car later after that date, you know, but, further on in time on a different day and, and Grant says, you know, maybe next time we go out we sh- we could have, you know, Aubrey go to Meadowlark just for the day yeah. and mm-hmm. I think that's where she's like, it's almost like, I know that that's almost, that's the ultimate goal here but if you could just pump the brakes a little bit or just pretend we're not heading towards like that and, and, and I don't even fully know because it's like, it's interesting how they, it's not that Marion and Grant then become a couple they don't get together but they do sleep together and and the cut to that scene of them in bed together and then she's like no what were we talking about and then she has the best face journey in the movie (gasps) Yes, cuz it's like laughing and then like at the very end I feel like she's crying. Yes, it is it is and he doesn't really realize that she's getting upset. And it, and it's it is I mean of all of the great acting in this movie and that's where I'm like, "Oh, Olympia. Oh, mm-hmm. Olympia." Cuz that face journey in the bed is is it. It is one of the best face journeys in the home. It's the the best face journey in the movie, hands down. Yeah. I yeah. and it, it's like just when you really kind of fully understand that she's upset is when the scene ends so sarah yeah. on you. yeah oh i love that and then ultimately because you know i think to put aubrey back in meadowlark she has to sell the house to afford it and so um you know it, it, and so that's kind of what we see next is you know she's packing up the house and packing up aubrey to go back to meadowlark and 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 i i feel like we don't know what's going to happen with grant and maria next i feel like that's that isn't decided you know
0: yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we're almost to the last scene, but I feel like we 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 should go. We should talk about Christy. <gasps> we need to talk about Christy. Yeah,
1: I love Christy. I yeah. love Christy, Nurse Christy. I love a nurse in a movie. I love a good nurse. I love you know Audrey McDonald and Wit. You know, mm-hmm. like I just love a good nurse. And yeah, even all of our 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 series
0: with um getting getting on moving on getting on I- yeah. Yes. yeah i just
1: feel like all those women yeah but go on sorry interrupting you well christy is really kind of like a bit of a lighthouse for grant throughout the movie and and kind of helping him navigate the situation and explaining you know you got to just kind of you know take it day by day and 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 she's she's doing her job you know and and she's being present for him but where this takes a brilliant turn sarah polly Kristen Thompson, you know, the the genius acting and writing and directing is the scene towards the end where Grant is outside, you know, while Christie's smoking a cigarette and, you know, and, and he finally says, you know, I've never even asked you about yourself. And, and in such a brief period of time, I feel like we get this really full understanding of who Christie is and like, what she also probably has in common with fiona and and her understanding of who grant is to fiona you know yeah she kind of gives him the business and calls him out oh my god i just i this was the scene i was going to do an in the details episode on because it's so unexpected where he you know he says to her you know she she basically alludes that she has she has three kids she has a husband who's run off and is you know getting rich somewhere but she's not seen anything of it you know and um, and I love when he's like, oh, that must be hard. And she says, it, uh, takes the wind out of you some days, you know, and like, you know that that's an understatement, but that's how she's decided to describe it. And, yep, um, you know, and then he says, you know, uh, you must think, you know, our problems, you know, that this, this is nothing, you know, we've had this whole life together and now we're dealing with this, like, you must, you know, uh, just kind of assuming how she must see all this and and cigarette acting she looks at him and goes well how would you know what I think you know and and it's like and he gives her this look like oh and I just I love that I love where she's she's like you know I've been I've been doing this job for a long time and you see a lot of you see the end of a lot of things in this job and um what i found is that more often than not, and then not in the end it's the husbands who think things were better than they things really were and then she brings back that act one gun of like you said that you know uh you thought that Fiona might be punishing punishing you for something with this i bet she had a a a pretty you know specific idea in mind of what that might might be yeah. um and then he says, you know, yes. And and I I've always loved, I have always loved this micro moment where she just kinda nods and like she's got the like the kind of peering at him. She says, Yeah, I bet you do. And then she turns and tosses the cigarette and walks away. Yes. Oh. It's so it, good. Get her, it's Jade. It's so good. Yeah.
0: I think it's I did not expect that to happen. I it and it's like what a at the end too, it's like, what an awkward situation that creates in a way too. You kind of pissed off the one person who, you know, had your back and really kind of helped you out too. And maybe she was having a bad day, but she's perfectly, like she is well within her right to say that.
1: Yeah. And I, that's the thing is it it almost comes out of left field. And then when we see them again, because she's like, you know, she's part of the climax of this movie, which I love. I love that she's the one wheeling Aubrey. I love that she's present for that. But she's very warm with Grant. And so it's this interesting moment where, like, yeah, maybe Christy was having a bad day. Maybe asking about her husband or her kids is just a sore subject and a little too close to home. And like, he, I love that he hit a nerve because I feel like that's a, a nuance you don't normally see is that like these nurses are human beings, you know, and like yeah. the bedside manner can slip sometimes, you know, especially when like she knows that like Grant is over here going like, gosh, I, we had such a great life together and now we're dealing with this. And it's like, really? Do you think Fiona would say the same thing, you know? And, and I, I just love that that hit a nerve for her. And I it, it humanized her in a way that, like, just brought so many layers to Christy. And I just, ugh, brilliant.
0: Yeah, I also, this is, like, such a weird thing to say, but I love her teeth. I love, like, the uh-huh. gap. I love that they're kind of separated a little bit and not, like, movie star perfect teeth. She looks like a regular human being if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think that's important with casting with this is that, like, I think Wendy Cruson is, even though she's got kind of Hollywood looks, I think she's perfectly cast as Madeline. That's exactly yeah. who that woman would be. But this is exactly what Nurse Christie would look like. You know, she's she's got a... Um, I, you know, a, a, a normal human body. You know, it's not a Hollywood body. Um, I, you know, and I, I love some thighs. Like I, christy's my type, I'll tell you what. But <laughs> she is my type. But um, you know, she's got a gap in her teeth. I, I love, you know, and it's more just of that scene. There's just something about the the way the wind blows her bangs back that just. Yeah. Oh, I've just I've watched that scene so many times, and I just her coat. That, that like uh, light green coat with the pink, that sort of Easter color, you know, winter coat yes. that she has probably had for 10 years, you know? Oh, yeah, probably
0: even longer. Yes, yeah. yes. It, the details. It, yeah. yeah. It's a it, perfect scene for in the details.
1: I'm glad we're talking about it now. I am too. I just love it. And I, I appreciate that Grant, Uh, and I should mention the actor, Gordon, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, Pinson, I don't know. But anyway, he passed away recently. Um, yeah, I saw that and i think he is you know th- for a performance that doesn't let him go to a 27 you know th- the angriest he gets is when he says to you know miss montpellier mrs montpellier like i'm aware of your your uh, policies I'm, a- I'm aware of your bloody policies and like that's yeah. as angry as he gets um i think he i think i i all of the kind of inner turmoil and even in this scene with christy like he takes it he he does not, you know, snap back at her. He does not, you know, say, who are you to talk to me like this? He knows she's right. And I think that, like, all of that kind of quiet inner inner turmoil that Grant goes through, I really saw this time. It's the kind of performance I could maybe not appreciate the first time around, you know? Yeah, it kind of gives
0: us... Even just you talking through that makes more sense to me now, too, because at the end of the day, too, like their marriage was not perfect for probably a long while, like probably Mm -hmm. the entire time he was teaching. And I I think the story was like he, you know, once they mentioned that, like, what was it? That silly girl, Veronica or whatever, Mm -hmm. who might have killed herself or threatened to kill herself or something was kind of the final straw. And I think they just he quit teaching and then they moved to this cabin and then they kind of like rebuilt their marriage too so like i think if that did not happen that we would probably see what i maybe wanted grant uh to to do is like break down more but like he's not completely innocent in all of this you know granted the circumstances are what they are too but i i think it adds to his being withholding from really kind of releasing all these emotions too because he's just trying to figure out everything else in addition to that and having that guilt
1: yeah I mean as Christy says to him like I bet you haven't always been the doggedly devoted husband like she's got his number she knows that like as as much as you're showing up every day for Fiona today like there was a time where you where she didn't know where you were and you didn't come home you know and and Christy knows because she's experienced that herself you know yeah, she's it's
0: it's almost just like revenge in a way. It's like the mm-hmm. whole going back to like is she fucking with him or not? But like, I I don't think she is. I think it just happens, and it's just you know he's seeing it in real time, and it's too late, and it, it's all he can really do is sort of make her happy or the happiest
1: she can be, and that unfortunately includes Aubrey. Right, which which kind of brings us to this. What I realize now is is kind of a. a a vague ending in that it doesn't resolve anything in a way, you know, that Aubrey is brought. He brings Aubrey back to Meadowlark. I love that, you know, Marion doesn't even go with them and uh, she just stays while they're packing up the house. And that makes sense to me that she's, she's probably deep down, like, good riddance, you know, if I lived with Aubrey, yep. I'd also be like, good riddance with your ugly wheelchair <laughs> yeah. cushion, you know, <laughs> um, yes. but Grant brings him back and, you know, and then uh, and at that point, Fiona has been moved up to the second floor. And, uh, and I love, I just, uh, I just love like Christie and Grant bringing Aubrey to Fiona's room. I love that Christie is a part of this, that just yes, is so smart to make her a part of this whole like final moment and then you know they get to Fiona's room and Grant says to Aubrey like I I just like a minute with with her you know just to explain and i think the first time i saw this movie i think the way i interpreted this was that she suddenly remembered Grant again mm-hmm. and and that may be true or it may be that she's remembering the new Grant in her life this man who has you know, as she said, has been very persistent, you know, and has comforted her and has read to her. and the idea that he's been reading to her from the same book he used to read to her from. And so, like, what connections has that made that maybe even aren't even a full remembering of Grant, But there's some connection in there of like, oh, this means something to me. like something there is a bond that they've developed. and and you know, when she's like, you know, you when she says to him again, like, you could have just left. You could have just driven away. We don't know if that's Grant 20 years ago. We don't know if that's Grant within the last few months. But, mm-hmm. like, they're repeating this narrative of, like, you didn't abandon me. You stuck with me. You, you, you know, you were persistent. And, like, and, and what's more is that she, she does not remember Aubrey as far. I mean, maybe when she sees him, she will, but certainly the name doesn't ring a bell yeah, we never get to
0: see it either too. And I think going into this last scene, I was like, you know, I was girding my loins like the last 15 minutes. I was like, here we go. And I, I don't know what I was expecting too, but I, I am kind of glad that it wasn't, you know, cause at that point I was already, you know, I felt like I've been put through the wringer. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I thought I, I was maybe expecting like the end of like The Notebook. Have you seen The Notebook? Oh, ever? yes. Yeah. Oh, God, I don't, sort of... Yeah, <laughs> and... just die together. <laughs> Yeah, but they could they they also realize who they both are or she realizes mm-hmm. who he is and it's it's really beautiful and you know Nicholas Sparks blah blah blah. Um and I thought there was going to be something like a glimpse of like her maybe remembering and thanking him and forgiving him or something. But we didn't get that, but I also think that this is exactly how it should have ended. It is one of those sort of like um uh like Almadovar endings in a way too. Yeah. It's like I would love if like Christy had the last line, you know, or something like that. But to make oh. it truly <laughs> Almodovar, Um Almardova You know. Yeah, I was trying to say a Pedro like, ending. <laughs> yes, a Pedro, yes.
1: Almodovarian. I think There we go yes. Almadovarian. Yeah. Um and I think there's something really meaningful of like, you know, uh you you know, when she's like, You could have uh you know, forsake, you know, uh for, forsake me forsooketh forsaken and the fact that she, remember, like she gets it right I think that means that there's it's like that could be the old Fiona who was you know very smart and well spoken that could be a glimpse of the old Fiona but then she hugs him and it's like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because like Grant and Fiona have reconnected in some way and maybe it's just for this moment, because I think that's the the sad part of this is like, and tomorrow, she might not remember Grant, and she might be yeah. in love with Aubrey again. But uh, it, it just ending on on that big hug, it was just so like, I didn't re like watching it this time, like realizing, oh god, I just I just needed that hug to happen. I just needed her to feel. I don't know, and and you know, you think about it like to to see Grant as the doggedly devoted husband and maybe she's forgotten about all of the darker history and as Mrs. Montpelier said Montpelier says like you know having a short memory that can be a gift and maybe in this moment it's it's everything that's good about Grant and Fiona you know yeah and that's all that we need i guess yeah and 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 then, it, you know, fades to white, and that Katie Lang cover of Helpless that I just like whenever I hear it, I just think of sobbing in the other room because it was like, I just can't <laughs> yes. anymore. um I, I and and yet we don't know what's going to happen with Fiona and Aubrey. We don't know what's going to happen with Grant and Marion. Like, yeah, it's it nothing is resolved by the ends. and i I feel like, the subject of Alzheimer's, like, it makes sense. There is no resolution. There is just what today was, you know?
0: Yeah, there's no timeline. I I think it's a beautiful ending to an even more beautiful movie. I'm so glad we
1: did this movie. I am too. I'm so happy that we got to talk through the... Christy, Christy, I've just loved Christy for so many years, and yeah. I'm so happy we got to give her love. I'm so happy we agree on Marion and Olympia Dukakis is 50 of a great performance. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, uh, and and the most important thing is that we don't like Aubrey. <laughs> I know. Good lord,
0: I just felt like he was in a totally different movie, like I acting and oh god. And yeah. you know, he was he was the in he's the person really kind of in between grant and fiona which he has to be for dramatic tension you know but Mm -hmm. um
1: yeah i hate him he's the worst um the only other person i just want to mention is um there is that one scene where i guess it's maybe it's it's one of the holidays or whatever but um grant is sitting on the couch and then that that girl that like Oh, Can, my God. Yes. Canada's go goth version of Sheena Shea. Um, Aubrey Plaza. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and and I was like, oh, I was like, oh, here we go. Here comes some, like, petulant teenager bullshit. And she ended up being so lovely and, and being like, I should be so lucky to have someone as dedicated as you are. And and she was, it was such a sweet little scene that I did not expect to be so lovely. Um, and that actress, her name is Nina dobrev dobrev whatever uh but she's somebody now she's been in a she's been in a ton of degrassi and um a bunch of different movies she was in um uh, apparently she was a, a main player in the vampire diaries so oh, okay she, this was one of her very early movies but yeah she is uh she's very much a somebody and i thought she was just like she big sheena shea energy big sheena shea yeah, energy i yeah. got that I, I I'm so glad you
0: remembered it, too, because I it's such a that could have easily been cut. But I mm-hmm. feel at that point, too, that Grant just needed again, Sarah Polly. We just needed some sort of win for Grant and even just her. And I loved also the choice to make her like a super goth girl, like a girl that you would, like you said, just be annoyed by him, like being there and like hearing his story. And the fact that she sort of warmed up to him and
1: melted a little bit was so perfect yeah it's so not what you expect and it's like you know when we talked about on the after show the whale and like one of the things i just couldn't get through was like the petulant teenage daughter it's just it's so tired you know like i'm yeah i'm watching season two of yellow jackets right now i don't know if you are uh but it's like it's the same thing with with uh melanie linsky's daughter and that i'm like oh my god why are daughters why are kids so terrible you know and and it just makes me appreciate Pen15 so much because I think even though those two can get kind of petulant with their parents, there's so much more there, you know? Yep. Agreed, <laughs> yeah. They're good uh, kids. Yeah, Anna is just such a sweetie, you know? Um, ugh. ugh. anyway. Away from her. I'm so glad we did this. I I highly recommend, uh, and, and who knows, maybe one day we'll do an episode on it, but Sarah Polly's uh, other movie, Take This Waltz, with michelle williams and um seth, seth Rogen and yeah. yeah and sarah silverman it's that movie is great it, it's not as devastating but like oh god sorry it's like dark in this room and i heard this sound and it's just marco eating crunchies and i just like <laughs> oh my god i'm like i'm all goosebumps right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god scary. oh my god i was like who's in my room i'm recording i'm so vulnerable <laughs> And my last words were Sarah Silverman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so uh, glad you're okay. And yeah, only I'm fine. Yeah, it's just Marco just eating crunchies. Um, but anyway, Take This Waltz is a beautiful movie, and I I highly recommend it if you want to be a uh, Sarah Polly completionist. Nice. I mean. I'm a fan already, so who knows? Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Uh, Well, anything's possible, including the possibility that we would be getting played off. (sighs) It's happening. How dare you. Yeah, it's happening. Uh, So uh, where can folks find more of you?
0: They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. And you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Kachanov. And... Um, you can also go to my new voiceover website, nkvoiceover, which stands for
1: nikachannelvoiceover dot Check it out. Hire me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got enough empirical evidence that you got a voice like melted carry Gold. Why should yeah. they not hire you? Exactly. Uh, but where can they find you, Colin? Well, uh, you can find more of me sounding like this generation's Brenda Vaccaro on my other podcast, <laughs> All Right Mary, where we are uh, just about done with season fifteen, uh, which I'm nice. I'm ready for, uh, ready because then All Stars eight is going to happen in like a couple of weeks. So like, oh you know, wow, no rest for the weary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can find more of me on Instagram at Colin trucker underscore. And of course you can find more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSA pod, or you can send us an email at the BSA pod at gmail.com. And of course, if you want even more of us, the best place to do that is on Patreon, where every week we put out the Best Supporting After Show, where the conversation continues about Best Supporting Actresses, about the things we've been watching, a little Yellow Jackets talk, a little Housewives talk, a little Vanderpump Rules talk, BSAs of the Week. It's a jam-packed episode every single week. Yeah. Uh, and if you want that, plus early access to episodes just like this, just go to patreon.com slash Pod. Yes. Yes. Uh, and in the words of Fiona, just go, Fona. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, as they say, is that. <laughs> <sighs>